Boom, episode 69 the Talking Bollocks podcast brought to you by Gowlow, the home of Irish podcast. It's me, Tidy Flower. It's me, COB. And this week we're joined by Eric Donovan, the Lily White Lightning. Oh, good luck. He got the Lily White part in straight away off, off the, the bat. bat. He's really plugged yeah. it off the bat. Yeah, now he's right. Really... Eric, how are you, pal? I'm good, lads. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here with you, famous pair. <laughs> We're the famous fellas, are we? <laughs> Do you know what, Eric? We tell you the truth. Uh, because it was episode 69, we we're going to get a porn star. <laughs> what? He said, right, we get the next I wouldn't best be surprised thing. with you guys, honestly. Eric, <laughs> uh, we do a thing called Jingles, yeah? Mm. Did you ever listen to an episode? I, I did, yeah. Right. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I did. Fuck <laughs> sake. Uh, right, we're going to jump into the Jingles then from the other week, yeah? Did you ever see the TV license man in your life? <laughs> it's funny, I was listening to that episode actually. Very funny. No, um, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't. Um, and how old do you work? I'm 36. And you, you never seen Still him? Still haven't seen him. Yeah. And then didn't somebody tweet, I think the day after listening to the show, they saw him. Are they want to see the amount of messages we've got. And the honey as well. Like It's not as simple as knock on the door, TV license. Yeah. So we've got like bombarded with the messages. A girl messaged me and said that she was in our friend's house and uh, she could see out the sitting room window there was someone at the door but it was an old woman and she was very fragile and frail and she goes, can I help you? And she goes, sorry, I think I have a letter for you. Um, I can't see the uh, the name on the address. Can you help me? And then one come out and she goes, oh, blah, 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 lives here. And she goes, oh, does she? Yeah, TV license inspector. There you go. Jesus. And I was like, God. oh, my yeah, God. They're getting smart. But they're in disguise They're out here yeah. playing 3D yeah. chess. You know what I mean? This and you're after creating this problem. <laughs> another one is, uh, another fellow message and says, growing up his auntie, she'd never answer the door to anybody unless she rang the doorbell twice. So that was like yeah. the little the little code. See, yeah. they're on the ball. Yeah. Like, yeah. That. But yeah, I yeah. think, because the amount of messages we get yeah. over the last few days, the, the phone's still hopping. Yeah. yeah. He'd be licensed, man, was here today, is cunts. Yeah. <laughs> As if we sent them. Yeah, yeah. we're trying to get rid of the country. Yeah. It's not even real. Yeah, yeah. half of the population said, Terrence, will you shut up, will yeah. you? <laughs> but it's mad. I, like, just don't have a telly. I yeah. don't have a telly. Do you know what? Many many households don't have tellies. Yeah, I don't. That's, that's what they're all doing. I don't even want to I don't even want to suggest something. Everyone has their own kind of you know laptops now and yeah. watch it, whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah, so that's and me. Yeah. Like, anything I watch is on my phone. Yeah. But well, did you ever even see like a job application for a TV license man? Do you do you even know someone or ever heard of someone that's a TV license? Yeah, remember your man messaged us, said he was a TV license man. One. Said he was yeah. getting seven fifty a week. That's good poke. That's good yeah, poke. But it's yeah, not good yeah. enough money to be blaming billing people for watching the yeah, thing. Yeah. You couldn't be happy, like. No, no yeah, you couldn't, couldn't like, be happy. Yeah. say about the, the clampers, like, you know, it's a terrible yeah. thing. I remember actually there. one clamper who had, I, I had his number, you know, and uh, and I gave, him a, I gave him a call one day because of, there was somebody who, who got a ticket in... Hey, it was my wife. It was my wife who got a ticket. Absolutely, grand. <laughs> right? And I, I was just thinking... And she rang me and she goes... I'm after getting clammed. Or she actually didn't get clammed. She got a ticket. So I rang him and I said, because um, I, I knew who it was. And like, it was only a couple of weeks previous that I, rea- I realized he worked in the area as a uh, clamper. Tra- yeah, clamper or whatever. But he came to my fitness classes that I used to run in the tight. And so I had his number and I gave him a call and I said, look, man, anything you can do, you know? Literally, she was five minutes late or something. Yeah. Like, well, what? probably not as five. But anyway, not, not much. And he goes, 
Eric, I'm sorry, I can't do anything. It's gone through the books, so there's nothing I can do now. But I'm not messing with you. I'm getting out of this job. I hate it. He goes, yeah. do you know what I mean? So, like, even the people that are in, you can tell it. It's not a nice job to it's be in. It's not good for the head. No, no. it's not good. Yeah. Like, he, I could I could hear his, you know, his, his sadness almost through the yeah. phone. That he couldn't do anything for me. And, like, you know, you're giving someone a bill every time. Yeah. Like, you know, it's terrible. I don't get clamping. It's like, you can't put your car in this spot. So now we're putting this thing on your car that you can't move your car from that spot. So yeah, like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. You can't park your car here between nine and five, but we're putting a clamp on it so you can never move your car in there. It's, and you're like, yeah. What? Well, which is it? Yeah, that is gas. Yeah, when you think, you think about, about it, that it's very way. contradictory. Yeah, yeah. 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 But like, yeah. if you grow up to be a TV license inspector, a clamper, <laughs> or a Lewis inspector, or a copper. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Moving <laughs> <laughs> on. Same category. Yeah, yeah. Right, say no more. TV license man. Have you ever seen the TV license man was the question, yeah? 59% of people said yes, 41% of people said no. He's like Bigfoot. He's a myth. Mm. He's a myth. A myth. He's not a real person. Yeah, I'm surprised with that stat. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? There's a lot of people that said they've yeah. seen him. But you know what? A lot of people are lawyers. I'm have to be asking people in real life, have you ever seen him? And they're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm saying, no. Have you seen him now? Or have you heard he was at the door? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, no, like, my ma said he was at the door. And you're like, no, but have you seen him? Nobody's it's seen It's like him. aliens, isn't it? Yeah. Like, in theory, they should be there, but until you see them, you can't say they were there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 TV license, yeah. aliens, and Tupac are all in Cuba. <laughs> there we go. I'm going to give it that one. Yeah. Right. See, when you stay in bed in the morning, yeah? Would you call it a lion or a lion? Yeah, probably, probably a lion. It's a lion, Eric. Oh, I'd say a lion. lion as well. I'm having a lion. I don't know. Them days are long gone. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could, stay, you know, get the old lion or lion, whatever it is. No, but probably a lion or something, yeah. But anyway, there was days during my teenage years and probably up into my late teens, early 20s where I couldn't get out of bed at all, like, you know. Mm. Um, didn't know, didn't care what people called it, lion or lion. I wasn't getting out of bed. Go away from me. Don't be thinking me. Uh, 42% said lion. That's close. 58% said lion. Yeah. It's well, put the camera on. I had the other fucking week and I look back on it and I fucking you couldn't even see it. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Give me another one. Give me one more, boys. <laughs> I need to break me mind. Right. Fuck it. Sorry about yeah. that. Right. Big news. Big news, boys. Come on, take us in. Yeah, so uh, Air Merch has finally dropped. So go to. What's the website, Terence? GoLoudNow.com forward slash shop. Right, the link will be in the description of this video. Uh, and for anyone that's just listening, the link will be in our social media channels. Check it out. We've hoodies, jumpers, t-shirts, mugs. Uh, me and Terence are rocking them here now. These are the jumpers. Yeah, yeah. fresh. By the fresh, way, yeah. fresh. And yeah, so that's where you get it. Because everyone's been hounding us for yeah. ages. Are they getting married? Excuse me, get married, get married and all. And we're like, Fairness, yeah, we're promising it since last year. We, we were telling people next know, week and all. Very, it was very hard to get done, but the deal is across the line. So this is where you can get you some merch, get you some Christmas presents. Get someone a present for Easter. Yeah, look, there's an Easter egg and a jumper. There you go. And there's <laughs> going to be more coming as well. There'll be yeah, more you have the Easter colour going on there, Calvin. So. It's yellow, isn't it? I'm like a floating <laughs> head with this background. <laughs> so yeah, the merch dropped. Bifty. Yeah. Short. Right. Suggestions. Bollocks. I, I, took a I had one. Someone messaged us and says, what podcast do we listen to? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I like I like Blind Boys podcast. James English is still me go to. Listen to James English since years now. Yeah. Um, I listen to a few podcasts you do. Mm. Uh, and you know what? I got more into listening to podcasts in nearly, not in a competition way, but in a way of going, 
These are doing well here. What are these doing? Yeah. And not not the short to take it, but That's just research. Like, no market research would call that. Just and you know what it is. You appreciate it. Yeah. You Check the competition. Yeah. You gotta do it. Yeah, I, yeah. I stopped listening to Joe Rogan, and I liked Joe Rogan. I just stopped when he went to Spotify. I you know what? I'd be more of. I don't mind. Actually, now that I think about it, I actually probably listen to more audio podcasts nowadays mm. than visuals. Mm. But I used to. Oh, I'd sit down and watch Joe Rogan's podcast every night, three hours long. No problem to me. Oh, you sit there and watch them. But since you went to Spotify, I just started to dip the weight, man. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. In the last world, I haven't really listened to... I've kind of... Not fell out of love, but just... No podcast really caught me eye. But then one that came back up when I was talking to you about... Oh, you sent it. It's yeah. called Dissect, yeah. This podcast I used to listen to about three years ago. And uh, it was a fella. And he used to just do it on his own, independent. But then Spotify signed him. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, the Dissect Podcast. He goes through albums. Song by song, line by line. Who made it? What inspired it? What the the lyrics mean, and mm. it's lethal. Uh, he does done two Kendrick Lamar albums, done a Kanye West album. Does loads of albums, but mm. it's just do you know when you listen back to a song, then you be like, "Geez, I know why he's saying these words, and I know that why this means that." Yeah, like, it's just that in depth granular analysis. I lo- I like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. The dissect podcast. Another one that I'm at the minute strung out and listening to it as well. Only a new one out. Check it out. Conversations on the margin. Limbo Wands one. Very good podcast. Hop off the range. Just going into Wayfield Prison. Chatting to the prisoners. Yeah, now it's all anonymous yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah. my God, this is yeah. quality. Yeah, like genuine stories. Like genuinely, yeah. you're sitting there with a lump in the throat yeah. going, fuck me, man. Like, yeah. Quality. Yeah. Like, what a job she's done with that. It's yeah. unbelievable. No, I can imagine. Yeah, because behind the... You know, there's real humans there, you know, behind the whatever jail sentences or whatever. There's real human stories and... Uh, and it's yeah, not about hell, Eric. It's not. No, I know. I, yeah. No, of course. Yeah. Because well, you have some people talking, oh, no, but look, they committed a crime. They're in there. Mm. Yeah, like, yeah, but they're humans at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, they didn't just commit the crime, but the crack. Like, yeah. people go through life and something happens. Like, you're a baby, you're born, you're vulnerable to the world. Mm. Yeah. Something happens in that period of your life growing up to it mm. where you have to commit a crime then, whether it's a robbery, whether it's a assault. Yeah. Something is happening in your life mm. in that meantime. Yeah, you going of course. That. I don't believe that anybody, like if you go into any prison across the country, like or even across the world, there's nobody that would, you know, put up their hands and say, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to grow up and be a prisoner. You know mm. what I mean? Nobody, mm. you know, obviously something happened along their childhood um, and that, you know, whatever, childhood trauma, childhood development, something mm went a bit skewed and they ended up veering off you know and and that's it and I was listening to John Lonergan actually talking about this as well even at one stage the majority of prisoners in Mount Joy are yeah, very like you know majority anyway were coming from a very small uh, place a small environment within Dublin City yeah you know and that's you know like come on you don't have to be a rocket scientist yeah. to find out what's going on here you know monkey see monkey do if you're yeah. in that environment you kind of you become conditioned in a way, you know. Mm. You know no so, better. You know no better, yeah. But it's kind of like you know, you you become what you see. You know what I mean? And um, like even from like my own point of view, like when I was a young kid growing up, I, I like I grew up in a council estate, you know, which was deemed a disadvantaged area, mm. you know, as well. Best people in the world there, you know what I mean? The best people, nice salt of the earth people, yeah. but like. You know, when drugs and all that kind of stuff, antisocial behavior and all that came in, like, you know, it was like, there was parts of, like, me, I, I was attracted to that because I didn't see anything else, you know? Didn't see, like, it's not like people were floating around or waving uh, degrees and, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, diplomas and, you know, <laughs> masters and all that. You know, wasn't that, they, they, you know, didn't re- I didn't even know anybody that had a third, you know, degree or third level uh, educational qualification up until my sister, you know, she... 
she was the first person I knew closely who went on yeah. to, you know, academic levels, really high levels. Um, but uh, yeah, like you get attracted to that, you know, and you see lads like, you know, hanging around the alleyways or the fields, whatever, and you're kind of like, you want to be there, you know, you, you, you strive to be, yeah. you strive to it's, be. It's, it's like a lot of the prisoners are coming from disadvantaged areas and working class areas. Yeah. And like one of the main reasons for that is obviously poverty. Like, and, yeah. like it's hard, it's, when you're growing up in these areas, mm. it's hard to look at somebody who's working a 40 hour week coming out with mm. four or 500 quid. Yeah. And then you're looking at the other lads on the tower, mm. selling a bit of stuff or doing a bit of this or doing a bit of that. And they're making <clears> double that in half the time. Mm. And you're like, why would I go and work? So then you see young people growing up, sort of going, I'm going to do what they're doing. Mm. And, mm. But before you know it, you, you realise now you're locked up now you're after wasting a few years of your yeah. life and now you look like you, you start wishing you had a different yeah. the honest yeah. and the odds are stacked against it as well because it's not just that so even when you do, do want to go and do go into academia and do make that honest living mm. when you tell people where you're from they're like oh you're never going to make it mm. yeah. like, what do you mean yeah. I'm never going to make it I'm trying here like, the least you could yeah. do is help me yeah. instead of stacking the deck against me here you yeah. know like that yeah. so I was always like when like I have a degree <clears> and I was always told all throughout college, school, like you're always told by everyone you meet in higher uh, positions, yeah. like you're never going to make it. And you're like, yeah. but you should be helping me. Yeah, no. of course. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in a way, I always go back to my teacher, one of my teachers in school, I never forget. And mm. I've said this story a lot of times in the podcast. He made a show me in front of the whole class. Mm. We had a class where the whole year was there. It was 40 something of us in the class. Mm. And he made a show me. He said, Australia wouldn't take me in. You know, like that. This is when everyone moved to Australia. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, what a prick. Like, you didn't have to say yeah. that. But that inspired me, yeah. for the wrong reasons, mm. to spite him and go on and do well. So in a roundabout yeah. way, I have him to thank for going on and, yeah. and finishing college. Yeah. But there's plenty of other people out there who don't no, go down that road. You, you, know you, you, man, you managed to use that for to your own advantage. Yeah, so yeah. what I'm saying is, there's people out there who are like, do you know what, I actually don't want to go down and go down that life of yeah. crime. I do the bad thing. I want to earn the honest living. And then... Mm. When you're out there, you're like, well, what's the point? What thanks am I getting for this? Yeah. When I'm already, already your yeah, fate oh. is already sealed for you. Mm. Oh, you're from this area, you're no good. It's as simple as that. And you're like, yeah. come on. And especially, in t- I still hear cases about it in 2022 and there's people out there, if you dress like this, you talk like this, you have this address, mm. oh, you're a basket case. Mm. And you're like, come on, like, are we still doing this? Yeah. You know? I, I, I was like that, you know, growing up, like I had this, like, and still sometimes I can have, like still struggle with it, but like an inferiority complex, you know, from based from my schooling days, you know, because I had a very poor education. My mum and dad, they were, they were so young leaving school, but so young get married and all as well, like, you know, and they didn't have an education, like a great education, you know, there was no emphasis or importance put on to my education. And then, mm. so my education, it done the opposite. <coughs> Instead of feeling educated and developed, I felt inadequate and I regressed, you know? Mm. And, um, and I measured my kind of my success then or measure, I measured my capabilities based off my academic inadequacies. You know what I mean? Mm. And you're feeling stupid basically, you know, what's not later on in life that I kind of twigged it. Like, you know, I said, like, come on, you know, and I went back in as a mature student at 27 years of age, you know mm. what I mean? But the fear that I had around that all, like, so my, my primary and secondary school, like really poor, my grades were poor. My attendance was poor and all that as well. But I remember even in secondary school at one stage, there was a big open hall with all these, like a big hall in the center of the school and all these classrooms, like into different, you know, classes. And uh, my desk was put outside the classroom and up to the door. Just I was probably being disruptive and messing or whatever, but I remember sitting outside the classroom at the desk 
and my back now, and I'm actually sitting in the hall. I'm looking into the through the classroom door, and all I can see is the teacher, and all the class around. I can't see the class; I can only see the teacher. But I'm on the outside, and I and I thought it was cool as well. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you know, oh, look at me, I'm outside. But I'm just thinking, like that's not good for anybody. For anyway, you know, I, you're like I, I, segregated, yeah. like you know. Come on, like I wasn't. Was you know what I mean? Whatever yeah. about. But like at that time, they couldn't connect with you. You know, mm. if you were a little bit wild or a little I bit. I don't think they wanted to even try and connect. Oh, I know. Anyway, I think that, could, that so, stuff like that can do the opposite yeah, of feeling developed. Thing they do for me as well. The table outside yeah. the door and looking yeah. into the classroom. Yeah. But again, like you said, there, I always felt like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm kill kid. Yeah, yeah. Get me like, yeah. because like, I didn't just want to be in the classroom. Yeah. Like, so I didn't, I didn't really give a fuck about it. Like, some yeah. people just don't, can't connect with skill. Yeah. Like, I was one of them. Like, I yeah. couldn't sit down yeah. and learn. I couldn't yeah. grasp it. I couldn't be like, how are these just yeah. sitting here and taking this in? I was like, I just want to throw an apple at someone or something. Yeah. Know what I mean? So when I was outside the room, I was like, like, this is actually killing now. Do you get me yeah. as well? So yeah. you can understand to an extent when you're Everyone, so everyone laughing. You think they're laughing with you. are probably laughing at exactly. you, you know? Exactly. That's exactly Look at that it. clown. Like, yeah. You know? yeah. But like, <clears throat> what I meant was, the teacher putting you out there, yeah, it stops you being disruptive. But like, Surely they should pull it aside and be like, look, this is what we need to do with him mm. to get him to actually sit down and mm. make progress. Yeah. As opposed to me, like, look at our sight, our mind. Mm. He's just another statistic. Mm. You know, like that. Nowadays, though, I think there is a, there is a big shift, like, in how the education mm. system is run. Like, even even in terms of, like, <coughs> students working together, like, you know, yeah. my, like, my eldest son, Jack, is 16. Like, he loves school. He enjoys school. Done the transition year and everything. When I was in school, man, I couldn't... Dream of doing transition year. Yeah, yeah. I did. No, I, 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 I dropped out of school long yeah. before. Anyways, but like it was never a part of my plans. You know, it was like get out as quickly as possible. But, um, but my 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 son my son Jack is in fifth now, and then Troy is in fourth, uh, in primary. But like they're encouraged to work together and look and help each other and support. Yeah. You know when we, why even like and I used to do this a good lot. I had to look into <laughs> whoever's beside me. You know what's going on there. Give us a give us a dig out yeah. there, or whatever. Yeah. You know, and you'd be told, none of it, or yeah. whatever, you know, all right. And, yeah. But now they're they're encouraged to help each other and support. But now, when, when I was in school, it wasn't. Yeah. If you didn't know, you didn't know. You were on your own. And yeah, that's mad because in certain subjects in school, I remember that, like, you, you sit down, you look forward, you don't look left, you don't look right. Yeah. But then I remember in maths, the teacher didn't care. If, like, if you turn around and be like, and yeah, did, did you do that? Or did you do that? And if you were helping each other solve the problem, she didn't give a bollocks. Yeah. yeah. She didn't care. As long as you're not turning around saying, hey, did you see the maths last night, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. If you turn around and said, did you do this and did you do that and you're helping each other? She didn't care. That's productive. Yeah. And now thinking back, you're like, Jesus, she, she was onto something there. Yeah. And I'm seeing as well, they've changed the leaving cert. Mm. They're going to change it now. So at the end of fifth year, you have exams that go towards your grade for your leaving cert, which makes fucking sense. Like, yeah. I don't transition here. Waste of a year. We, we, we regressed. Yeah. You know what I mean? We would have done better if we went straight from third year to fifth year. Mm. In fourth year, we dust. And when we come into fifth year, they were like, you're already behind. I was like, how can we be behind running to start where you start? Yeah, yeah. And it's like so <laughs> hard. That's just kind of scaremongering, trying to put yeah, the Yeah, but like, I mean, then you're trying to catch up and so many people dropped who don't like higher level uh, subjects, dropped from higher to ordinary and even ordinary foundation because we're technically already behind. Mm. So we would have done so much better if we skipped Fortune. But imagine if at the end of Fortune we could do a project that counted towards our leaving cert, like a 10% of your grade or whatever. But that's what they're doing in fifth year now, which makes sense. Yeah. Because at the end of sixth year, you had two years, in some cases three, fourth, fifth, yeah. sixth, or some cases fifth and sixth. Mm. If they cram all this criteria and all the curriculum into one exam, mm. but now you have two years to do that. Do you know what I mean? You could yeah. sit paper one in fifth year and paper two in sixth year. It makes more sense. You're taking yeah, the pressure yeah, off. Definitely. And it keeps you applied, keeps you focused. You know what I mean? If the study now 
Archer picked you up, the Saudi Nail Archer fixed you. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. But I know I've seen a lot of people complain, like, oh, this is this is too late. So it's not too late. I'd rather see it happen late than not happen at all. You know? So yeah. How the fuck did we get onto this? Oh, <laughs> but that's the name of the podcast, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, this it's always gonna... happens. It's, it's, skills are just ran mad. Like, we spoke about it loads of times. Mm. Like, if you wear white stockings, you're sent yeah. home. If you don't have your skill jacket, and so we, I never ever had a skill jacket before because we couldn't afford the skill jacket. Mm. We were lucky to be able to afford a uniform and new yeah. blading shoes. We'd mostly be wearing old black shoes to skill. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they'd like, I'd remember a normal jacket on me. Where's your skill jacket in front of the class? And they'd be like, what does it matter? Yeah. I have a jacket on me. Yeah, here. I'm warm and I'm in the class. Like, and then I was the type to be like, I was always that type of to be like, I'm not just going to sit there and say, oh, sorry, like, or whatever. I was like, I have a jacket on me. Who gives a bollocks? I'm taking her off now and putting her on the radio. Who gives a cunt? I'm in here to learn. Yeah. I'm not in here to like give a fuck about representing your school jacket. Mm. And then you don't want to say, oh, me man can't afford it because mm. you're embarrassed then, do you get me? Yeah. Skill systems. But I, I think yeah. they are getting better. We have a lot of teachers that text Yeah, and, and they and say what they do in class nowadays. And it's And I'd be like, where were you when I was in school? Yeah, it, it, honestly, sure, look, I go around the school. I, I go around this country speaking in schools, you know. It's, I mm. do a school speaking tour, you know, and I love it. I absolutely love One of my favourite things to do, talking about life, my life experiences and all. And I always say to the students before I, before I begin, I say, look, I wish I had somebody come and share with me what I'm going to share with you when I was at school. But I didn't have that luxury, you know. Mm. But I love the fact that now schools are, you know, inviting us in. Yeah. Because the, the students need this. Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's, as teachers, they have a like a, a duty of, you know, to provide a service for the kids. Not always the academic way, but, you know. They're a big influence on you. Look yeah, and huge. that's the thing. I don't think they realise how much of an influence they're they can be a influence. negative influence as well. If well, you're telling somebody they're yeah. stupid, they're going to believe they're stupid. Absolutely. So I admire, I, I, like, first thing I say at the schools when they ring me up or whatever, I first say, well done, fair play to you because you're thinking about the kids. You know what yeah. I mean? You're giving them a different, mm. a different look, a different outlet, you know. And you can talk about mental health and addiction and drugs and all that kind of stuff, but, um, Lived experiences is the best, you know, teacher. You know, mm. someone that, like, has been there, worn the T-shirt. You know, it's not someone talking cliche stuff outside the book. Hey, kids, don't do drugs, you know. But when you hear real-life stories about the, the pitfalls of it all and the heartbreak and the pain of it all and, you know, what's wait, what awaits you in that area if you go down that road, people think, okay, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, they might, they might have, like, you do plant, I do plant seeds everywhere I go, you know what I mean? Yeah. No two ways about it. We did a talk in a school. I right. but, but like um, see them teachers in that school. I, we couldn't believe it. Like how caring the teachers were. The teachers yeah. didn't give a bollocks, and like the kids kind of in a way they were taking advantage of it. Like they they get the teachers a bit of, bit of stick here like and a there. Bit of back and forth with yeah. them. Yeah, and but, we were like, what are you doing? Like you just don't realize how privileged you are to have a teacher who is so happy that you're just yeah. in this building. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that. Yeah. Like, do you remember? I don't know. If you, do you ever used to get detention by being late? Yeah, I never used to go though. But like, <laughs> you'd walk in, it'd be 903, and you'd be like, you're getting 20 minutes attention. And you're like, mm. I fucking, I'm in the bleeding building. Like, yeah, give me, give me a break. break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not as if the class is sitting down and they're disrupting everybody. It was literally the last one in the door. Yeah. You haven't even started. It's the just a power trip, yeah. though. A lot of teachers back in, when we would have been in school, would have had that power trip. They just want to be able to say something. You're on detention now. But it, it's, it's education, though, isn't it? It's, as well as, like, even though we're talking about the education system, but it is education in terms of, like, um, Learning over the year, like in the past, it was a military type teaching. Yeah, discipline. Discipline. Mm. Yeah. 
it doesn't always work, you know. One 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 size fits all. It doesn't, no. you know, or one style fits all. You mm. gotta be able to now connect with every like you gotta be uh, diverse as a as a teacher and versatile. Mm. And that's what it was. This is what I, the point I was getting at is that like it was great to see these teachers. Mm. They were so happy mm. that like such and such a person was in the class that day. And I was like, this is fucking deadly to see yeah. because you know, going yeah. forward, yeah. maybe they have to write people there. Mm. If they can just get the system in place yeah. now to go with the people, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. You have to, the right, what would you, the right users for the right system, mm. if that made sense, do you know what I mean? The teachers yeah. to fit the education system. So, yeah. yeah, that was good. And we really enjoyed that. Like, what an experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was very wholesome or something, wasn't it? It yeah. was nice. It was like, it, was, it went full circle, you know, like we were, we were once in them chairs and now we're on the other side of the table telling the kids, you have you have to fucking wall that your feet here. It's usually. a privilege. It's yeah. a privilege. It really is. And I mm. feel the same way, you know. And I never thought I would be invited back to schools to stand mm. and speak to one hundred or two hundred students. Like you know, it's incredible. And I sometimes have to pinch myself as well, you know, that like I'm back there to share, you know, to, because I have something to offer these guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, that, it's giving back as well. It makes you feel it's good work. You know what I mean? It's really good work. You know, you're not kind of trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. You're actually giving yeah. them really good. Uh, voice. Tools for living at voice. <laughs> yeah. You feel good about yourself, Al. Mm. We have to do suggestions, please. Yeah. We just right. Sorry. We only have three little quick ones, yeah? Mm. So, all the suggestions this week was just love the live show, live show episode. Yeah, we yeah, released the, the live show live audio show. last week, so there's a lot of feedback from so that. The, the whole entire thing was just how, how good the live show was and when the next one is. No dates, nothing yet. We're something not hiding them. Something in the walks. Something in the walks. Leave it with us. <laughs> Uh, someone said, love the podcast, controversial opinion, but do you think you use where you are from as your identity? Right. I don't see how that's controversial. It's not controversial. I don't think it is anyways. Um, um, I think we do use that as an identity. Yeah. I'm proud of where I come from. Yeah. Where I'm a slave. I always represent me earlier and I think you should. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I've worked with a lot of people who came from all over the country, but you'd never know where they were from. They have a very neutral accent. And you'd be like, where are you from? And they'd be from bleeding Ennis Clare. And I was like, why do you sound like you're from Donnybrook? You know, like that? And then they'd have a few points on them on the night out and you'd hear their, their accent to come back out and I'd be like, own where you're from. You can't change where you're from. Yeah. You are brought up there. It's who you are. Wear it with pride. Be, this is who you are. Yeah. You know, like that. Don't, be, yeah. don't let anybody tell you different. Now you might get a bit of stick here and there, but that's just banter. That's what we all do. Yeah, you know, yeah like and we do it. We do it. Everybody, where are you from? Are you get toy? Oh, sorry to hear. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of banter. Yeah, of course. But it's who you are. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't define you, but it can help make who you are. Yeah, I don't know if it's a purposeful thing on people as well. Like I think sometimes when people spend a lot of time in an area, they can't kind of their 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 accent might become a little bit kind of. Well, not after six months, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> no, well then there. No, but you ever see those people who go to England for a week's holidays? They come back and they come back oh, saying blood in it and all. <laughs> yeah, no, that's. No, There's no. Bishop is prime example. You don't know what accent that fella is. He's American one minute, <laughs> Dublin the next, London the next. You don't yeah. know what. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think too many people from our area, um, talk like us at the start, and then they get somewhere or get to a platform or get to even RTE or whatever. And you see their accent change, and, and I'm like, don't do that, you get me? I think too many people try and hide. I think it used to. I think nowadays, there's more people coming forward that sound like goes are from the inner city, or from wherever they're from, and they're yeah. proud of it, and they're showing it, and I think that's the right way to go about it. But I think that, that that should be from anywhere you're from. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. So, but I'm even talking about even people from Cork, yeah. and yeah. from yeah. here, and there, like, 
Uh, I'm not going to say the name, yeah? Yeah, I'm from <laughs> Newtown, Mount Kennedy. Boom. All right, sound. Sound. Yeah. Uh, right. Would Calvin ever go into politics? Seems fairly knowledgeable. <laughs> Who said that? Where are you getting that from? <laughs> knowledgeable? No, I'd agree. You'd agree with him. Uh, uh, it's gone. Uh, no, it's not gone. Once politics. Mitchell Wade. Shout out to Mitchell Wade. I think that's your name. Um, would I? I don't know if I would. It's a... I don't... See, that's a weird one because to get into politics and running elections and stuff like that, Oh, it's a dicey game to get into, you know what I mean? So much, there's so much like, oh, what would you say? There's backstabbing and stuff like that, you know, and smear campaigns. Sucked like, into the system. Yeah, you, you know, you see the, the horrible side of politics, you know, people kind of shooting each other down and you look at Micheál Martin and Mary Lou MacDonald, oh, I'm more working class than you, you know, I'm more in touch with the real world than you and you're like, what is this? Can we not just have someone sit down and have a civil debate about policies and get yeah, the fucking system fixed. Like, you know, like, yeah. you know, it's like, look at you, look at you. It's look at you, I'm more in touch with you. Oh, you have two houses. All right, yeah. whatever. What are you yeah. pointing fingers for? Yeah. You know, work to be done. Like. There, work that's, to be can done. we not just all get on the same fucking team and get this shit done? Get this shit done. Yeah. I, like, I, I know how politics works. Maybe that's where the knowledgeable side comes from. See how riled right up you're getting already about yeah. politics. Like, I, politics, I, politics. I just twisted the yoke and just let them know there. It's because that's the side of politics. Do you know what the problem is with politics to people? People are the problem, you know. The system needs to be fixed. The people are the ones who won't fix it. Like, in my line of work, when there's a problem, you sit around, you say, this is what needs to be fixed, and you go and do it. Everyone's on the same team. It's not like, I think this way should be done, or I think it's this way, and then you let people argue. It's like, no, this is the way it gets done. Here's the day at the back up, and we do it. And that's why I think, that's what we need more with politics. There's too much pride, and it's like, oh, well, remember your party did this back in 2015, and what about when you did this? And you're like, why is on about, like, it's 2022. Don't mind what happened seven years ago. This is what's happening now. Let's get this done. You know? And then, just let just, oh, it's just, yeah. I don't know. I don't think I ever could. I don't know. Maybe leave it with me. <laughs> I don't think I could get into it, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, me face on post, I'm knocking on doors. Oh, vote for me. This is what I'll do for you. And they always deliver false promises. And I'm gonna bring her up. I actually it. think that I, I actually think a lot of them genuinely have like good intentions. Good, and then I think once they get in there, it's the system. I think the system is. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I think it's. I have an example here, and I'm gonna right, go I'm on. gonna just throw it out. Um, and I, uh, it's relevant now because right. I, I retweeted it the other day as oh. well. You look at Old Devney Gardens and the housing up there in Old Devney Gardens. There's a cuckoo phone coming in there. Gary Gannon was the one who put that across the line. It was shot down by many people in Dublin City Council. And he was the one who was like, no, I'm the politician. I know what I'm talking about. When he got backlash from the public, the deal ended up falling through. Anyways, it wasn't worth the paper I was written on. That's had to go in full circle now. Again, it's come back around. Dublin City Council have chose not to invest in that. Cuckoo funds are going to come in from overseas and they're going to buy up all the houses. in know, Devney Gardens. You know what I mean? One of the most rich working class places for culture in Dublin. You know, you go up there. That is Dublin up there. People in that area won't be able to afford a house up yeah. there, won't be able to afford to rent the houses up there. Yeah. And he was supposed to be somebody from our area. Who mm. hey, I know, I know. So he knocked on doors. He told people I'm from this area, I grew up here. And there you go. If that's supposed to be one of my own doing that, I don't want to be mixing with that. Mm. You know, so, yeah, I'll give me yeah, two cents, right. but like everyone, everyone can give that two cents, can't they? Yeah. Opinions are like arseholes. Everybody has them and some people stink. Yeah. But on that... Just on that topic, I'm not going to say a lot either because I don't know enough about it. But when you're talking about the ho- the housing population, like the housing crisis in this country and the way it is with the vulture funds and everything coming in, it's disgusting. Mm. It, turns, it turns my stomach. It makes me shame to be Irish that that's going on in terms, you know, because there's ha- there's hardworking people out there, couples, 
husbands, wives and all that can't afford living in their parents' house. It's disgrace. It's not good. And that's having a, a, a very negative effect on people's mental health as well. Can you imagine like a professional, like say a hardworking man, right? Putting in a hard shift every week and he may have one or two young kids as well and a wife and she's working too and then they're, they're using their in-laws or the parents to help out with child support and everything. Imagine his self-esteem thinking like we can't get a house. You know what mm. I mean? Like, and I know like there's equal gender equality and all that now, but still a man but feels the like ego, there's still it? a man, well, the ego yeah. inside of a man. He wants to be able to kind of provide, you know what I mean? And live in, you know, provide like, and be able to have their own home and that like, you know, that can't be good for your esteem. So that's another area that's having a very, a very profound impact on people's health in this country. Mm. This country's bollocks. Give it 50 years time, right? When all the young people now are old and retired, what's going to be this, what's going to be there in this country? Mm. You know? Look at the emigration rates in this country in the next few years when the borders open back up and the COVID restrictions are lifted. I want to see what it's like. This, what month are we in now? April. April 2023, I want to see the emigration rates for Ireland. I'd be very surprised if they're not skyrocketed. So we want change and we want it now. Yeah. <laughs> right, so we're not going into politics then. Not yet, anyways. All right, cool. Right, Eric, I want to jump it straight into you because we're at the spend on it. God knows how long shite now was there. So, um, what we do with every guest, bring us right back to the start. What's your name? Where'd you come from? What was life like growing up? Yeah, my name is Eric Donovan. I'm from a Thai, County Kildare. And, uh, Sorry to hear. <laughs> what was like life growing up? Yeah, it's probably, well, to be honest with you, I, I had a fun upbringing, but it was a tough upbringing. You know, it was a tough upbringing. Like I... But my mum and dad, like as I said earlier on there, they got married very young, you know, and uh, I was their fourth child. And when I was around six months old, I think they, they said their marriage broke down. And uh, my dad moved off to, to, to England. He lives there today. Still, we have good relationship and that, but uh, like he's he's living over there. He's married. And um, my when I was about three years old, um, my mum met my stepdad, Brian. And they're still together today and have two younger sisters from there. So there's six of us, you know, six, well, six kids and then my mum, Brian. And we grew up in, like I said, a council estate. It was, it was some crack growing up, like, you know what I mean? Really fun, like, you know, because huge families, populated area, bit chaotic, but yeah. it was, there was beauty in that, you know, yeah. everyone in and out. Like, if I went back to that estate now, I don't, I couldn't tell you 10 households, you know, yeah. mm. but there was 120 houses or something like that. Sorry, it was 112 before there was a little... A, kind of an adjacent estate built onto it, you know, um, it was extended a little bit. You but find that, Eric, sorry 12 houses, yeah. When you go somewhere and it's quiet, like, you know, if you were in a house that's quiet and like, you're like, I, I can't settle here. <laughs> you're not finding that? Yeah, well, there's Because you said about the chaos and having yeah, a big family and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there probably is an element of that we're very loud, you know, yeah. very loud when we talk and all that, like, you know, back in my house, I... Uh, and I don't know if it's because they're all shouting over each other trying yeah. to be heard. That's You need that kind of little bit. Mad. That's what it's like because I moved to Elmy, man. So yeah. Silence there, can be deafening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we fucking yeah. hate. Like, John, when there's, like, you yeah. can't, you're just sitting there in the house and it's quiet and you're like, it's too quiet. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I go into my mom's house, I cause murder in there and then I leave and I'm like, right, I needed that little house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I go home yeah. then. Sorry, you know, No, no, no. So like, like that was it. Just, I knew everybody. I knew everybody in the estate, you know, and, uh, Every household, you know, and like I said, it was good fun, really good crack. And uh, there was a railway, there was a track behind the, behind the estate. And we used to spend a lot of time out there and just running out the fields and playing sport, doing every all sorts of things, you know. And then, um, school, like I said, school wasn't, you know, I didn't really excel in school at all. Um, and I gravitated towards others that didn't, ex you know, 
kind of were on the kind of same kind of level as me. So I didn't feel alone. Do you know that kind of way? You kind of gravitate towards them. But um, I was seven years old and I walked into a boxing club and that was a game changer for me because growing up in that kind of dysfunctional kind of environment and even even with my family, like there was a, a huge bond and I, I, like there's a great bond and connection for each other, great love for each other. It's a bit dysfunctional though. This, you know, mm-hmm. like, and then school was kind of like school is a routine instructor environment and I didn't really have that routine instructor, you know, it's a little bit kind of chaotic, my own, my, my own self, like, you know, a bit wild. Um, but anyway, when I, I followed my two older brothers down to the local boxing club, it was in an old nun's hall on the outskirts of, of the estate we grew up in. And um, my, I remember floating the idea by my mom. She didn't want me to go, you're not going, you're too young, it's too rough and tough and everything, you know, but I, I, <laughs> I hate to say this, but there wasn't many times where I actually followed my mom's advice. <laughs> poor mother, um, my poor mom. But uh, yeah, um, no, I went in and I loved it. As soon as I walked in, I loved it, like everything about it, you know what I mean? The atmosphere, just, and, and then I excelled and then boxing kind of just became the most positive kind of influence in my life at that time. And I had a great coach, brilliant coach. And so I'm like, you know, we forget, like it's a thankless job too, being a yeah. coach in a, in a kind of a volunteer sport, you know, like boxing or GA or soccer or whatever it is. But coaches can have an, a, an incredible impact, like teachers on, on young yeah. kids. And my coach had a great impact on my life. Mm. And do you ever have any aspirations as a kid to do anything other than boxing? Do you ever think like I'll become whatever? No, no, never, never did. Never, never actually had to stop and think, you know, it was just kind of like, just kind of a, just a wild young kid that just kept going with the flow. Wherever the kind of lights directed me, I was guided by the wrong lights though, you know what I mean? But, uh, but I just kind of kept flowing with it, like, you know, and uh, there was never, never a time where I thought, oh, I, no, you know, you'd, you'd hear some of your friends getting a job here or getting a job there. Or job, building sites were big. You know, when I was becoming a teenager, the Celtic Tiger was yeah, coming, you know, yeah, and yeah. some lads were leaving school and they were laboring on sites, getting big money, you know, and I'd be like, oh, I want to do that. But so I walked onto a site, I wouldn't know my arse, my elbow, like, you know what I mean? And I just was never that kind of a, no, I never savvy around that kind of area or in that environment, but um, just kept going to the boxing. I excelled at boxing very young. Um, 11 years of age, Irish champion and, you know, winning, winning multiple, multiple Irish titles, getting, you know, 14 years of age, I was being called up to, rep, you know, represent Ireland and yeah. captain the team and go to European school by championships. And even in school, I was walking around school academically kind of completely clueless, but I felt like I was a champion. So I was somebody like a bit, a bit of an ego, you know? Yeah. And uh, you think you're great and all, but, you know, later on you can, you know, when you grow up and you, you start learning about things in life, you realise that, your amigo or your ego is not your amigo. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, but that was it. This boxing then we kind of came something. It, was, it wasn't something that I said, oh, wow, I can go somewhere with this. It wasn't like that. It was just something that kept me out of trouble and something that gave me a, so, something to do. I remember winning the Irish title at 11 years of age and it was for the first like, first time that I was aware of it, but I got a lot of attention. And I got a lot of praise. And I, these were things that I wasn't really used to, you know. And I loved that, you know. Oh, well done, champ. You know, you're great. People were really noticing me, you know what I mean? And I did have a special talent. Like, I really did because it was easy for me. And guys were not really getting close to me at all, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was winning with relative ease, you know. And I had a great head for the game. I was a southpaw, left-handed. And I, it was a computer scoring system, the old computer scoring the old system. Way, that's yeah. That's gone now, but, you know... 
I was elusive, I was slick, I was sharp, I was fast, you know, and I, you know, it did really well. But when I hit the age of 15, boxing became uncool or, or I okay. became uncool for boxing, you know, because that was the same age I dropped out of school and that was the first, like, kind of that area I started dabbling and drinking drugs and, you know, getting a taste of that lifestyle and wanted to be hanging around in the alleyways and the fields and Boxing Not, was getting in the way. Didn't want to put in the hard work yeah. and no running the roads or sacrificing or dieting or anything like that anymore. So, yeah. And 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 I'd, I'd, I'd go away from the club and I don't know how many times I left the club and wouldn't go back and that's when my coach would, would go on the pr- pr- pursuit and he'd follow me and he'd come to the house and he'd pull me back and talk to me, you know, listen to me. And he went above and beyond the call of duty when it comes to coaching, let's say. Because nowadays, like I often think if I... If I put a different coach or whatever, like to the same, they say, good luck to him. Do you know? Let a man. Good luck. Yeah. But he never, you know, he always kept coming back because he knew I was making the wrong decision, you know? And, yeah. And he pulled me back and he pulled me back and he said, this is coming up. You can go here. You can go to the Olympic Games. You can go to the World the Europeans, you know? And you'd be like, mm. Jesus, he's right. You know? you know, you know, because sometimes it was that FOMO. You know, when you're young, I'm 15, so I know everything. I'm yeah. 15 years of age. I know everything, like, you know? And, you know nothing. You really don't. You really think you're missing out when you're not out with the boys and you're yeah. not drinking and yeah. you're missing nothing. Yeah, and you know nothing either at that yeah. time. You think you know everything, you know. So, um, no, I'm so glad that he 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 did. And then I, I became a Thais for my club's first ever senior All-Ireland champion, which is huge, you know. Yeah. Senior, 18 years of age, 2004. And boxing now kind of changed for me from being a potential... From being something that was just a hobby and keeping me out of trouble to being a potential job, a potential career, you know, possible Olympic yeah. Games. Where, and I got invited up to the high-performance team in in, this, in in Dublin here to train with household names. You know, Andy Lee, Kennedy, yeah. Katie Taylor, Conlon, all these guys, you know what I mean? Darren Sutherland, God be good to him, like, you know, but just really, you know, top-level Olympic legends, Irish boxing yeah. legends. And I loved it up there. I loved it up there, um, Every Tuesday to Friday, we stayed up there with everything. Uh, all the facilities, all the, you know, whatever. But every Friday, I had to go back home and went back into a very, you know, unhealthy kind of a toxic environment then, drinking drugs, just searching for oblivion, you know? I spent a lot of my years like that, burning the candle at both ends, you know? Mm. Not knowing how to go with it, but sometimes saying, ah, sure, next week I'll change, or next month. And the funny thing is, you don't think you're doing too much. Like, you don't think you're being that kind of, off the rails or whatever because everyone's doing it around you and you think yeah. everyone's doing it like you know what I mean Every- you're also thinking if I'm only doing it on the weekend sure it doesn't really matter yeah, and, then- and I'm not addicted yes I can go, I can go yeah. Monday to Thursday and I'm fresh yeah. but then when you're on it for the weekend you're like ah oh, no sure I can put it down during the week so I'm not addicted that's it well try and go a few weekends without doing it then. that's it and then you realise oh bollocks mm, and it was like that Terence. it was like that with me because I felt like as a youngster, like you don't know when you pa- when you cross the invisible line of you're screwed now, you're mm. you're hooked, you're deep now. You know yeah, you yeah, don't definitely. you don't know that. There is no kind of a, a sign a sign to yeah. say, oh, if you if you keep going, you're yeah. even though you probably do know like you're going down the wrong road, but there's there's no kind of a threshold. Uh, so fine line between doing it on the weekends yeah. and then you're stuck in the gap on a Wednesday and you're doing it and you're like ah yeah. Hey, oh, and when I think back as well, I had great cracks, the fun as well. Do you know what I mean? Because it. it was good fun like as much as it was bad and mad stuff as well like you know it was like, so you grew up in that that was just cracking the, the buzz of it all um, but like you know you were so I was so young I'd check I had this 
innate ability to shake off the damage of the weekend before a couple of blowouts three or four yeah. sessions and you're back in the game yeah. and you think oh that's grand sure I could do that you know and then you know eventually you come to a stage where you can't do it anymore you can't keep shaking and you're in trouble then you know and I ended up in trouble with it when to take its toll on you eventually it did yeah when did that happen for you or when did you think you hit that wall there um well throughout my like there was many there was many different stages throughout my throughout my early life where was cause for could have been cause for intervention say or alarm bells or whatever but I brush it off you justify it. it's mad when you're in addiction right addiction is something that like no one wants to say I'm in addiction or nobody wants to say I'm an alcoholic or I'm a drug addict or I'm a compulsive gambler or whatever because there's a shame attached mm. to all of that and as society we still haven't changed around that so people will try and work their way out of that without actually acknowledging or taking ownership. They'll try and, like for me, I always try to find a way around it without actually addressing it. You know what I mean? Without actually addressing the issue. Yeah, like so people look out to walk every day, but they're still drinking in the night. They're like, well, I can go out to walk. Yeah, they're functioning. They're yeah, functioning alcoholics they're alcoholic. or whatever. Yeah, there's yeah. still a problem. Their life is unmanageable in a way, in other ways. And for me, there was a load of incidents like that. But, Changing meant putting everything away and giving up everything. Now, the prospect of that and then the thoughts of what life would be like without the drink. If that was, if that was such a huge part of my life, think, how can I live without that? I'm going to break you know, all my friends. I won't be able to go here. I won't be able to go there. I can't do that. Oh, geez. So I'll try different ways of making it work and you try different drinks you try different clubs different pubs different friends different groups try all every trick in the book but the last uh, tr you know never tried to stop actually stop. stopping yeah. but I realised when I when I did need to stop I, I had to ask for help I needed support like you know what I mean I needed support and then in early two, two, like early 2012 I went into a rehabilitation and uh, best best thing I ever did in my whole life um, but uh my addiction cost me Olympic games and everything like you know what I mean that's the level of you know that's 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 it you know that's what it took for me I don't like I've made peace with that I don't think now I don't regret it like well I obviously regret it I don't sit down and feel don't dwell on it I, I don't dwell on it yeah. because I think look listen that was my path I had to walk it and I'm very happy now in my where I am in my life now and you know what I didn't make the Olympics but you know I helped some other people, you know, preparing for the Olympics. I helped Katie prepare for the London Olympics, you know, and to prepare her for her opponent that she boxed in the final, Sophie Ochigava, the Southpaw, you know. So I remember I went to the Olympic training camp with Katie as my inspiring partner. And, um, and, and you know, I, I'm a coach now today, as well as being an active boxer still. I've, I haven't got long left in my own career, but maybe I'll help somebody someday to go to the Olympics. Maybe I'll coach somebody, you know what I mean? And, and, and that's okay if it's okay for me. I've made peace with it basically. You know what mm. I mean? It's not something I dwell on. But that's it, yeah. That's mm. really it, you know. So it's, what take us back to twenty twelve. Like where what what like where did you draw the line there and say, right, this is it. I'm actually gonna swallow me pride and say I need help here. It got so it got to a dangerous stage where I was blacking out. I was making silly, silly mistakes, doing things that I had no recollection of, no control of. Waking up the next morning, being told this, being told that, going, oh, no, are you serious, you know? And then I just realized that, like, where's the fun in all of this? Because one time it was fun, you know? 
where is the fun in all of this? Like, how can it be fun waking up? Regrets, remorse, guilt, shame, embarrassment. And you're paying money for all of this, don't forget. You know? And then, uh, now that's easier to say. That's a very logical kind of a reasonable yeah, way of saying, yeah, why, you know? But, when it, yeah. You can't, but yeah, it just got to the stage where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know what I mean? And uh, I knew I had to change. And <clears throat> the sad thing is, um, and it's important for us to say this, is suicide became a real possibility, a real option for me, you know, a real option, uh, an attractive kind of a prospect, you know, which is terrible and became like an out for me, you know, and then it was either kind of that way or that way. And I didn't know anything about recovery in the sense that I didn't know anything about what help was out there. I knew I, I didn't know anything about therapists or support meetings or support groups or whatever had no clue mm. like I was like I was like an alien or something do you know what I mean like if you can't change you're screwed yeah. you know if you can't do it of your own accord or like you know and not no, knowing it's not uncommon a lot yeah. of people don't realise how much help there is out how there. much help a lot of people don't and when I put out the hand and look for help I had to get honest with Eric I had to get straight up and honest with myself because and I had to change how I was living my life I'd be like for dishonesty goes hand in hand with addiction you know it's just it's just part and parcel you can't do anything about it like so being dishonest discreet secretive all that I had to go the opposite I had to take ownership I had to accept I had to be honest come forward and because no matter how smart or clever you think you are man you cannot change something or do something about an issue unless you acknowledge the issue mm. and, and 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 see it as a real issue a real problem you know but if the problem is hidden up and person if you don't address it that way if you don't take ownership of it you can't do anything about it so i had to see it for a problem i said really i have a problem here and i need help with it and then uh man <laughs> when i went into that to the rehab and all that it just opened the door to me opened the doors to a whole new world a whole new possibility a whole new different you know different avenues different possibilities different opportunities mm. and i just kind of uh decided to kind of go that way you know well i had the, you, I, you know the, the juncture you come to the why in the road go to, you can go back this way and keep doing the same thing and hope for the best but that's the definition of insanity, insanity yeah you know but uh yeah go this way and and, and see see what you know and, and my life started to pick up and thank god i'm in a good old place today yeah mm. for anybody who is in recovery, look good, the great. It's the best thing I've ever done myself mm. as well. And again, opportunities mm. start coming up. You start meeting new people. Like you, you stop being with the same clique that's in the mm. pub and the same people that you're going to end up back in the gaff with and you're doing it. Like it's hard to even explain, isn't it? You just look at life different. You start thinking different. You get me? Like, mm. like the way I, like I used to be a very negative person. Do you get me? Like even my thoughts, like I'd be like, yeah. Mad. Like, even if I'd be on social media, I'd be looking at people and say, look at that fucking age, and look at this, yeah. and look at that. And now I'm just like, I'm at a stage in my life now where I'm just like, just happier now. Do you get me now? Although, yeah. like, I, I only got to a year uh, clean and sober there the other week. Oh, well done. A couple of weeks ago, I was... Great milestone. It is, it is. It's a big one. It was a tough mm -hmm. one as well because I got to eight months, didn't I? And then I fucked up. And I said, right, we'll start again, clean slate. Yeah. And then I got to the year. But I was a year, I was a year sober. Mm. About three weeks before I posted it on social media. And the reason why I didn't is because I had all intentions mm. of booking a hotel on a Friday to a Sunday and going on a big bender on my own. 
And I was just gonna say, because I wanted to go down, something come over me. Mm. And I, I don't know whether it was the uh, the pressure of being the year show, but I was mm. coming up. and Because mm. I, I didn't take too much notice of it, but I knew it was coming to me, and I don't know. So I never posted that when I was, because I was saying, so I'm not gonna do that, and then the one I've been there two weeks later. So I held off and I said, I'm just not even gonna acknowledge it, mm. and I'm gonna do that. And for some reason, I still get like that now. Like, and mm. I have a lot of good people around me. Obviously, I have Calvin there, but I've a lot of met a lot of good people yeah. through this podcast. Of, Lim Luan yeah. and Will I Whites and Brilliant. people who know the crack and yeah. the Brian Pennies and all, do you know what I mean? Who yeah. I talk to regularly. Yeah. And uh, I chat to them about it and stuff. Yeah. But it, like, like they say that'll pass eventually. Like, yeah, you know no, what I mean? it will. But you, you know, you talked about support. Support, yeah. man, without support, it's not possible. Mm. It's a, Support is essential. For someone wanting to change, you got to be around like-minded people. You know, yeah. you got to be around people who've been there, been down that road. They 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 speak the same language as you. Yeah. You know, like someone said to me before, if you sit in a barber's long enough, you're, you're going to get your hair cut. You know what yeah, I mean? We heard that. And yeah. it's so true. You know, like so. This is what this is the thing, right? You're talking about like there's addiction is is prevalent in society that's just the way it is like you know what I mean and there's many people who are in addiction but they're kind of as you said getting through life and they're all right they're not too bad you know and they're kind of they think they're not too bad because they're living some sort of a normal life or functional life and then you've got the others who are just really extreme where it's kind of like and that was me I was extreme in the sense that I couldn't stop when I started you know and Mm. And there was days where I, now I wasn't a drinker every day or I wasn't somebody that used it or whatever every day. It was only like binging or something come out. So that's why I struggled with actually thinking that I had a problem or I was an addict or, or an alcoholic or et cetera, you know? Um, because the the perception I had of someone like that was someone stuck with a bottle down by the river and every day drinking that, like a, a wine or type of... vision of what yes. that person yeah. is. Yes, that? Now, I was that person as well, though, who did it every day. Yeah. It got to that point where the last, say, three, four months mm. before getting clean mm. would have been every, in every single day thing. Yeah. And I'm saying to myself, I'm in the gutter here. Yeah. And, but it's still, you'd still lie to yourself. You'd still say, but I'm not like, I'm not out in the streets and I'm not bleeding, sitting in my own piss. And you're still trying to think of people wash off. Yeah. And you, they do you to justify just yourself. Yeah, while you're yeah. dipping into a bag at three yeah. o'clock in the day. Yeah. And you're like, what is going on here? But that's another thing there now as a society, because you do know that the country is awash with drugs, right? Mm-hmm. Cocaine and everything in this country is a huge demand for it. What's wrong with us mm. as a society? What is wrong with us as a people? That we have to, it's not a cheap drug. Mm. It's not a cheap drug. It costs a lot of money. Mm. But it lasts a very short the, the the effect lasts a very short yeah. period of time. So you could easily spend two, three hundred quid easily in one night out just on cocaine, without the drink or without clubs or without paying for taxis or whatever. Food yeah. or whatever. You know, and you and 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 it, and it can go on. You can pay more, you know, you can pay mm. more. But like what is that like, and people are leaving themselves in terrible debt. Yeah. And ter- what is wrong? Because to, to be honest with you, like it's not even the high is not even. It's a manufactured high. It's a yeah, it's an artificial natural, high. Yeah. The laugh and everything is not really like. Look at the good laughs that you're giving, having here, and mm. people are getting from you. It's all natural. It's real. Why do we have to? Why are people doing that? There's there's a problem. You know, there's an emotional wound there, and unless they tidy up that, or unless they address that and get some help with that in sport. It's not going to get any better, do you know? And I just feel like that we need to become more whole, whole, wholesome. Because when I was sitting in that rehabilitation center, I was thinking my life is over. 
I'm screwed. What am I going to do? What am I going to buzz off? And now I can't fill the days. There's not enough hours in the days mm. in life. I'm living, you know, I'm li really and truly living. And I'm involved in projects. I'm involved in so much, like I say, going around speaking to schools. That's a purposeful life I'm living now, you know, a purposeful life, a meaningful life. You know, I got married last October, like, you know, to my beautiful wife, Laura, and, you know, we have so many plans and dreams for the future and I have some great relationships and friends and I value them now where before I was just like, I was anything. I was associate. I just hang around with associates. You know, I didn't even know who I was. You know, who is, who is Eric? What's Eric Stanford? What are you all about? I just became Eric the boxer mm. and that dangerously consumed my, like, that's a dangerous place to be if you think you're just a boxer. Yeah. I'm just a boxer. And then the outcome of a boxing match would determine my self-worth. Yeah. yeah. If I lost, I was the worst piece of crap. Because it was my only piece of credibility I had left, you know what I mean? But when I put away all that, man, when I started to go to work and do some work on myself, personal growth, learn about values, learn about myself, learn, and this is something that I talk about to students a lot as well. EI is just as, if not more important than IQ. EI is emotional intelligence. Understanding how you feel. You know, because this social anxiety is a huge thing today. Yeah. And a lot of people really struggle with that, you know. But it's about being able to kind of answer your feelings and emotions in a in a reasonable and smart way. But that comes from experience and having the tools. Like when I had anxiety before, I'd run off whatever, get a, you know, cigarette or, you know, or, or drink or planning the next party. Or mm -hmm. I had to kind of, I had to, I had to take my, myself away from this, anxiety this this uncomfortable feeling nowadays i don't i'm like what's going on here you know but i have the tools now you see i have the tools i can pick up the phone ring someone hey i'm feeling a bit you know yeah talk to my wife do a bit of meditation go for a run go for and i have the tools now and i learned there is far more therapeutic and holistic approaches than the self-destructive ones i've been using do you know not easy but it takes the practice yeah you know? it comes, yeah, yeah you're not gonna solve it tomorrow nah, no no and i've yeah. come to the like i have accepted the fact that i will like because sometimes i do feel down really mm. down and this is i have to say this because sometimes people, oh look he's so confident so you know mm. sometimes i feel lonely even i'm a married man you know sometimes i feel i can feel, and i have great friends and i've great you know but sometimes i can just feel like that yeah and I can feel a little bit off kilter or just something, but I don't have to act like that, act out on that anymore. You know, yeah. I can just let that be. Why do I feel that way? Mm. You know, and I, I've accepted that. Maybe that's always going to be the case, but it's okay. Yeah. I don't have to go off and do a mad one. Years, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you can relate to everything as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. I can relate yeah. to every single thing you're saying. You're saying, oh, like a year, blah, blah, blah. And you don't think it's gonna get any easier like there's someone telling you like yeah. it does like it's just the air is only a drop in the ocean Terrence. yeah sometimes it's just the intensity like mm. like every like not every couple of weeks maybe every yeah every two like, like there's no time frame on it but every so often like because it would have been like january and then like i hadn't felt like that until march then like where it was like intense it was like i need yeah. to just go on a bender i need to but then I'm trying to say to myself, you didn't in January, you got over that, and you were on a good track then, so you'll get over this, but then I'm waking up in the morning, it's my first time in the morning sometimes, because mm. it goes on for days. Sometimes I'm like, it's intense, I'm like, this is fucking, like now I have to do it, I have to do it. Mm. And then a few days have passed and I didn't, and I'll be coming back around, and I'm like, 
oh, I'm grateful that I didn't. But I'm saying, yeah. I know what's going to come up again at some stage. Mm. Do you get me? So it's just yeah. trying to deal with that. And the more it comes up like that, like the more it comes up, then the more times you've dealt with it, then that takes, like, because it's easy to say to people, like, you know, oh, like, do this or do that. But everything, no matter what, takes practice. Yeah. You yeah. know, and the more times that you have to experience those, the better it is for yeah. you because you're like, okay, this I know what's yeah. going on here. Imagine, right? like, you can say, I've done it 10 times, I can do the 11th. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the 11th becomes the 100th. Yeah. Like yeah. that, you know? Yeah, definitely, mm, but yeah. it's, it's a tough old lot. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. It's a beautiful journey, though. Yeah. You know? oh, so, yeah, I, like, it's a, it's an ama- it's an amazing journey, and I've met some wonderful people. You're talking about people like that have, you, you've spoken, February. Like, the stories of transformation are beautiful. I hear so many, uh, and I see with my own eyes, to see a person whose life is going down in the gutter, grab it by the scruff and turn it around, and the light and the glow and the spark and everything comes back into their life. Yeah. It's and then when they get their life back, their families get their life back and the ripple effect. Yeah. And it is the rip the other side, the, the, the flip side of it too, when they're going down the wrong hole, everybody suffers, you know. But when they get it back, it's a beautiful feeling. And I just think it's one of the greatest mm. sights you can see. Just somebody grab getting their life together yeah. and turn it around. Not everybody makes it. That's the sad part, you know, mm. because there is a like there's only a small percentage that actually get it. Yeah, and if you don't, you know that's what I mean. That's why we're talking about. Yeah. Like that's yeah. now it increase that number. Can it definitely inspire someone else to go? Do you know what? I want to do that. I spoke. I got a phone call off a good friend of mine. He does a lot of good work in a rehabilitation center in Kilkenny, and I spoke to him yesterday. Uh, it's Ashleen is the name of the the rehabilitation center, and it's a teenagers rehabilitation center. And he just rang me and he just said, you know, I'm talking away to these, a couple of the young kids in here that know you from boxing and stuff, you know, and would you have a, a word for them, you know? And I just said, this is brilliant. And I told him, I said, guys, when I was in your, like when I was, I thought my life was over, but my life is only beginning. It's mm. so many, because do- so, a lot of these young kids think their their life is over if they can't engage in alcohol or drugs or whatever, you know, but it's not. It's really just like, it's about stepping forward into that unknown and that's the thing it's unknown you see we don't know we're we're, we're we're we can be we'd prefer to be comfortable in our uncomfortable surroundings because that's where the drama the the, the mess the because we're conditioned to be that the chaos yeah. yeah and we're all right there because we know it mm, yeah but go into a more peaceful f- what would you say a fruitful future you know, it can be like, oh, I don't want yeah. to, will I go with it? But go, go, you know, go and be your best, spread your wings, broaden your horizons. It's a beautiful journey. It's an amazing journey. And um, like, I'm still discovering so much about myself. It's just a lovely journey, you know? Yeah. Mm. Brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. <laughs> so, you do a bit of boxing, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, top on yeah, yeah. yeah. Go drop a water yeah. there, will you? Come on. Yeah. 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 So, um, yes. When did you turn pro, Eric? That's the mad thing, yeah. yeah. Like, I, 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 at 28 years of age, I kind of retired from boxing, you know. Um, I wasn't long back from Kazakhstan. I spent eight months in Kazakhstan. You done that world boxing? World. Yeah. It was absolutely incredible. One of the best experiences I've had in my life, but one of the toughest as well. Real, real tough environment. Like, But I learned so mm. much. That was a mad setup, that, wasn't it? Mental. Yeah. Most of the Irish lads could box at home, train at home, sorry, and go and fight for their franchises. Yeah. But the Kazakhstan franchise wanted you there in camp. We're staying in the foothills of the Almaty Mountains. It was a real rocky story, you know? Minus 30 in the winter. Yeah. 
What? Come on, yeah, yeah, minus 30 in the winter. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely bonkers. Like, and these guys really chiseled, like, you know. What year are we talking about? 2012, 2013. Yeah. And uh, anyways, yeah, I, it was an amazing experience. One of the, just incredible experience. And when I came back then, that kind of gave me the impetus, gave me the confidence to go back and look at education again. Do you know what I mean? Because if I can survive Kazakhstan, I can go back. <laughs> you you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was moving in more cir- better circles. Like, you know, when I say like more supportive circles, you're talking about like, you know, I just fear that sur- kind of fear of, of education because of my primary and secondary experiences. So I thought I closed the door, locked that away in the basement, like never going near there, you know, but then, when I was 28, I was standing, well, I realized that I put all my life, all my eggs into one basket. I was, I gave all my life to boxing. I have no education, no work experience. Uh, I have two young boys under the age of 10. Like, what do I do? Like, you know, I'm not funded by our Sport Ireland anymore. I'm not number one in Ireland anymore. And I'm standing in the queue signing on the doll, you know, I'm kind of like, this is not how I envisaged my life to be. And that's when I decided to call boxing, call it, you know, a day on boxing. Um, and opened my mind to the go, going back into education. And uh, I took on a two-year full-time diploma course in 2013 and graduated in 2015 with a diploma in counseling and psychotherapy because that gave me so much help and mm-hmm. I wanted to go back into that area. I was about to go for my degree in 2016 when I had this crazy idea to kind of, hey, I think you have another round left in you, you know? And that was it. I had so much regrets. Like, I let down a lot of it. Let down my family and my coach and all that. They put a lot of time and everything. And I just felt, look, I won a hell of a lot as an amateur. I did. European, like I'm a major medal winner, five-time Irish senior champion. Um, I've won a lot, but I missed out on a lot too. And I just kind of felt like, do you know what? I want to make amends. I want to answer a few, right a few wrongs. Yeah. And I con- the conclusion was I can always go back and box or do my degree, but I can't always go back and box. Yeah. So I, at 30, a month before my 31st birthday, I turned professional and look, I won the Celtic title, I won the Irish title, and I got two chances to step up to world level on Sky Sports. Came up short. Nearly pulled it off against Alpha Barrett. Mm. Didn't get close against Robisi Ramirez, one of the greatest <laughs> of all time. But hey, man, the, how do you measure success? Ten years ago, I was in on my knees, a broken man. Yeah. There I was, five, six weeks ago, walking out in front of 15,000 people in yeah. world media. Yeah, Just incredible. Do you know what something, Eric, I noticed about you when you box? Your box was smiling on your face. Yeah. It's like you're aware. Like, I don't know what's that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like probably trying aware. to befriend him. Ah, come yeah. on, man, don't yeah. be. Yeah. Ah, come yeah. on, let's do it. Yeah. We can be friends. <laughs> but no, you're so. It's like even after you're so grateful. Even like after your last defeat, you, you embrace each other. You love it. You're so yeah. grateful to be there. It's like you're aware. I haven't got many more of these left in me. I know this is like this is going to be few and far between the amount of times I get back in between these ropes, and you're embracing it, which I don't think a lot of people do. Even in defeat, you were like, you know what? Yeah, he's the better man and oh, let's appreciate him. So good. Whereas some people would be bit in that situation be like, no, fuck this and this, mm-hmm. that. This is what went wrong and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But you you accepted it. Right? Yeah, I lost. We move yeah. on. Yeah. Let's acknowledge how great he is. And you see, Calvin, it comes back to where I used to, the outcome of a boxing match used to determine my self-worth. Mm. Yeah. I used to feel crap. But like I walked out of that arena, the Hydro Arena in Glasgow, not feeling like a loser, even though I lost the fight and I was bitterly disappointed that I didn't give a better showing. Like the least, the lowest expectation I had of myself was to give him a good run for his money and go the distance. And in the back of my mind, I thought maybe I could pull it off. Like that's the, the fighter's yeah. mentality, you know. I you wouldn't have got have in. That, you have to. I wouldn't have got in the ring if I didn't think like that. 
But I walked out there feeling like like a winner, yeah. you know. Now, and I know like, I said this like you know, done it an interview with Gavin Casey as well. He's a brilliant, brilliant journalist, and I said like keyboard warriors be like, oh, you got smashed or whatever. Yeah. They don't understand, you know, the 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 the, the, the success is 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 getting in there to yeah. fight one of the greatest ever. I didn't pull it off, but. Like at the end of the day, probably not. I probably wasn't supposed to. He's twenty eight in his prime, double Olympic champion. Mm. I'm thirty six. After been through the mill, even getting there is yeah, is yeah, in yeah, a way yeah. it's heroic. You know yeah. what I mean? It's kind of like, you know. So and then in the back of my, like, there's also for me, I want to be a coach. Like I say, I am a coach. My fighters, I believe, will get to that level some stage, and I can talk them through it. I've been there, you know. Mm. So that will help too. Like you know. We had some good words to say about you as well after that fight. You seen mm. on Twitter yeah. what he was saying about you. That was, that was great to see. He was a nice man. He yeah. was very, like, you know, really respectful, courteous. He, he actually said to me, like, thanks, because nobody else would fight him. They couldn't get. Mm. Lads ranked higher than me wouldn't fight him. You know, and that's the kind of, I suppose that's the kind of negative side of boxing. People, you know, avoiding each other and, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah, event, yeah you know. And I was kind of like, why wouldn't you? Like, the greatest. Like, it's like, like if you're looking at a football equivalent, like he's your Messi, Ronaldo, a double Olympic champion, over 400 yeah. amateur fights Cuban. lost. Does, <laughs> <laughs> do you know? So, um, yeah. But no, look, I mean, like, look, I didn't get close, but I tell you, I, I got very close against Selfa Barrett. That was an incredible fight. Like, I don't know if you've seen that fight, but that was in Eddie Hearn's yeah. backyard, the fight. Yeah. And I was gutted about that because I was so close to pulling off a famous victory and then like, he just came out with the jackpot and he needed it and he yeah, got me. he and, got it, yeah. I took my eye, I kind of took my eye off the ball. I was cruising, so I was doing so well. I was kind of like an outward body experience. This me here, like, you know, yeah. lying, you know, 35 years of age, you know, boxing and a, a knockout artist, like, you know, and I'm kind of like, oh, you can't get me, you know, and I'm flying next minute. He got, got me, you, yeah. he got me, and then boom, yeah. <laughs> and just, I never, I never really recovered, but um, yeah, different game. Professional mm. amateur, different game. Yeah, we we talked about this at the start just before we come on and start recording about like how much, mm. how slick and how. What we saying about the fans? Like fans are so more appreciative in amateur. I was like, oh look at that, that was a nice hook, mm. yeah, and clap. Where that yeah. crowd's like, kill him. Oh yeah, they're playing for blood, like yeah. you know, they really are, and they want to see that knockout. They want to see it. They're more aggressive, you know. They really yeah. are aggressive, and they're more like. The sport is brutal in itself. It's ruthless. Like, you know, where would you ever get it? Like, you, Unforgiven, yeah. You, you know, your job is to go out there and do a number if you can. You know, the more, the bigger number you can do and the better. Yeah. Uh, it's not in our, like, I don't know, like, as, as as human beings, like, it's not part of our natural nature. No, but it's, it's that bit of barbaricness that's in us. Do you it, know what I mean? There is it. All, yeah, yeah. yeah and if you look through history, like, look at the Romans. Yeah. The Romans used to do, like, what, what's the difference <laughs> between us and the Romans? Yeah. You said it. I was a week after my fight. The weekend after, I went to Rome with my wife Laura, and we, we did the Colosseum and everything. And it's always been on my to-do list. And I heard that two percent, only two percent of the gladiators survived. And I was thinking to myself, Jesus, you know, it's not Just too bad. bad. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you know, it's not too bad. Like you know, I'm walking around here, like you know, but, but, but that's really it. Professional boxing is that kind of glad prize fighting in general. Yeah. And I tell you something, which I. I I'm a little bit kind of annoyed at myself for not doing this, but I think I went into the Rubisi Ramirez. I never said this to anybody. The Rubisi Ramirez fight a little too casual. I went into the Zafabara fight shouting and roaring at myself, come on, banging gloves. Like I had to transform into, you know, and then 
So I had this mad idea to think that, okay, maybe I'm a little bit, was too emotional. Like maybe going in against some errors, let's just detach the 15,000 people, the worldwide media, SPN, yeah. Sky Sports. And let's just, it's only another fight. It's another fight. And I tried to kind of remove the emotion from it. But I actually think that was, a, 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 in the end, a bad thing. Because yeah. I was like there, but I wasn't there. Do you know what I mean? I was in the ring, but I wasn't. Yeah. There wasn't a fighting spirit there. Yeah. For a while, you know, I, I, I worked off my, like we had the tactics and strategies to navigate the earlier rounds and do the best we could. But, and then the blood opened, a few things went against me. And then the punch that done it, I, it was kind of my own silliness. I turned the back of my head to the punch. So it got me there. That's why it was so devastating. The most vulnerable part of your head. It was a power punch from him and it kind of got me there scrambled my senses. Now, a fighter will always say, ref, no, 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 I'm grand. He made the right, the ref made the right decision. Yeah. I was I was gone. Yeah. yeah. But you kind of knew that. You knew that. You gone. accepted it. Yeah, that's, yeah. And that's what I think. It's that humbleness in you. You're like, look, okay, yeah, he won and we move yeah. on. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. it's great to see that. That's why I'm saying, look, you kind of have that appreciation. I haven't got many more of these. I'm coming to the back end of my crown. The fact you're self-aware and you're acknowledging that you haven't got the pride to say, no, no, we'll keep going, we'll keep going. You know. It's, yeah. You know what I mean? That's great to see. And you're embracing these moments. Like, you'll be able to look back in 10 years' time. Like, do you remember when COVID happened yeah. and no one was fighting? And I was in Eddie Hearn's backyard. <laughs> yeah, that was a like, mad that, experience. Like, man. you can say that's mad now. Imagine what you're going to be like in 10 years' time when we look back when there's that's arenas true. being sold out. There's 50,000 yeah. people watching fights or whatever. And you're going to be like, oh, I had to fight in front of nobody. <laughs> this is Eddie Hearn's backyard. The way it worked that time was like, you had to be locked in a hotel for a week. Yeah, so, and he was getting the minibus up. So we had to go, yeah, we had to go over there. We're, in the, we're locked in the hotel for a week. Everyone that's associated with the show, no fans, yeah. just the uh, boxing personnel and the medical personnel and the journalist personnel, you know, so all the camera crew and everybody, we're all in the one, half of the Brent... Uh, did he not rent the whole hotel, didn't uh, he? No, they had the whole, they had a half. Oh, right. They had half of the, of the hotel, I think it was a, not sure how, I'm not sure what it is. But anyway... We had the whole half, so we were in each other's faces for the whole way. I could see Zavabara walking around and everything, you know. I had a book with me, right? So they were trying to come up with all these kind of uh, social media shows in the game, keep, uh, keep everyone occupied and active and keep the fans engaged. Like, there was so much media. It was like a different level. Before that, I was running around selling tickets to me, me mommy, me, me yeah. brothers, cousins, you know. Like, even on fight day, I was running around selling tickets. This here was like, don't sell, you don't have to sell tickets because no fans allowed, but... You're going to get a purse. Everything's paid for you. Flights, accommodation, hotel, your food, everything. And I was just like, wow, this is a different level. I love this. And uh, I was reading a book on over, right? And um, I'll tell you the name of the book in a second. But uh, then they were doing this show called In the Bubble. And Eddie, uh, Eddie Hearn would be with one of, the, one of the other guys. I think it was Chris. Uh, I can't think of his surname. But one of the guys who works for Matchroom. And uh, they would do a show and they would show a couple of products or items that boxers had and yeah. they have to guess who the boxer by the item who oh that's such a boxer you know yeah. they asked me for my book they were adamant they wanted my book and I said no I can't no I'm not giving you the book the book I was reading is called 10 men dead it was the Irish Repub uh, uh, hunger strikers oh, <laughs> so this Mad Republic it was, it was yeah it's big yeah. about the, the, the 10 hunger strikers like you know what I mean and I can you imagine Eddie Hearn standing there trying to describe yeah it, you know, they probably would have guessed it was the Irish lad anyway. Yeah, yeah. But I just said, no, no, I can't. Anyway, like, I gave them, um, <laughs> I think I gave them uh, my, uh, what do you call it, little uh, toothbrushes for my braces. I used to have braces. So I have these little kind of, you know, little brushes that, um, so I gave them them. And then uh, 
They worked off that, but that was my that was yeah. a mad story, yeah. You're fighting in about plate in a week or something. <laughs> well, what am I fighting in? 14 to May, 14 to May, yeah. in five weeks is it? Europa Hotel in Belfast. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's four weeks from this Saturday night. Mm. Yeah, mm. so the Europa Hotel is kind of a comeback fight. That's the thing about my professional career. It never started off like I never thought I would get to the heights that I got to or box on those platforms. Like it was always just about have a few fights, maybe Irish title would be a dream. Got the Irish title, got the um, got the Celtic title, then the Irish title. Then I was like, oh, hold on here. Might be setting the bar a bit low, you know. There might be a possibility of a European, you know. Definitely, because I sparred a lot of guys like Ryan Burnett, James Tennyson, Steve Arms, good, really good opponents. And a guy from South Africa called Venteca, former world champion. And I was kind of holding me on with these guys, having good spars. So I said, maybe I can, maybe I can do, do all right. And then the two shots at world level came out of blue against Barrett and Rabisi yeah. Ramirez. I never, mm-hmm. look, I nearly, like I said, I tell everyone, I had a good run against Barrett, but didn't get close against Ramirez. Now the focus comes back to where it was initially, to the European. So this fight here in, in, in Belfast on the 14th of May is kind of a comeback fight. But then hopefully later on in the year, I'll get that shot at a European title, maybe EU European or something like that. And I am... Fully aware that I am in the final stages. Would lovely, it'd be lovely to bow out like that, you know yeah. what I mean? But regardless of what happens, I have come back in to boxing to have no regrets. I know, I know when I leave, I, there will be no regrets. Yeah, and you're going to leave in your own accord as well. Yeah. 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 A, lot, a lot of people can't do that, so that's something to, to hold high as well, mm. you know? Yeah. Oh, so this is your last <laughs> year in boxing then, is what, yeah, essentially no, what you're saying. No, it's definitely my last year, you know, like I said, I've... I've, I've had a great I've had a great career right back to the very start when I was a seven year old kid walking into the club and just excelling and I was so good for everybody in the club and anyone that came around that my coach Dom Dominic O'Rourke he had to bring me up to Dublin that was my first introduction with the big smoke you yeah. know and uh, went to Crumlin like you know never forget I was only 10 years old and uh, I was in the dressing room with all the, the, the Dublin lads you know, getting ready. Oh, and their, their their accents at that time, you know, it's, it's new to me, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they sound like they're 15 or 16, but they're only like 10 and 11 yeah. year olds as well. And I just have this fear of like, I'm thinking, oh my God, these guys are like, these are huge. I can't be sparring these guys, can I? Like, And then I went out for a run to warm up with them at the green beside the club in, in Crumlin. And we came back in for sparring. And so I already bet myself up because I, because of the, I let the whole... Yeah, kind of, you know, I, I put them up on pedestals, like, and I, you know, so you know, I just froze, and these guys battered me. Yeah. <laughs> they really battered me. But um, crying all the way home, you know, I said, that's not going to happen. You know, I'm not going to, well, two things could have happened. I could have packed it in there and then, or turned it into something that was going to fuel me, you know, yeah. and I let it fuel me, you know, and I, I, I said, right, that's not going to happen to me again. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I kind of got back on track and, and like had a good old career, you know, really good career. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's all going to come to a close very, very soon, you know. But it would be nice to finish out with one last kind of humdinger, like, you yeah. know, European. Please, God, fingers crossed. Hard to know, like, if that will. Yeah, you do a bit of work on the telly as well. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Like, all over RT, the, the boxing. Last yeah. Year, yeah. That's another thing, like, boxing. Like, being the pundit for the Olympic Games for Kelly and as well. Emmett and all, all the Irish. Yeah. The Irish team are inc- incredible. And I didn't go, I didn't get to the Olympics. And that was always something that I thought, like, sure, why would they get me? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, again, it's putting yourself, you know, because it's a bit like Richie Sadler. I heard him talking as well about, like, you know, he didn't play in World Cups or anything, but yeah, he's, he's, no, he's a soccer correspondent. Yeah. But 
I like what he had to say about it. Like, you know, he says everyone's opinionated, you know, and you're talking about boxing, you're passionate, you've done it, you know what I mean? And everyone has an opinion, you know, so that's all it is. It's just opinions, yeah. you know. So I'm, and I'm there sharing my tuppence worth about, about the mm. boxers and I'm trying to educate the public and inform them about our boxing, our, our most successful Olympic sport and how, how great they are and what they're doing because they only get that platform every four years, yeah. sadly enough. Yeah. And I, try to, I just try to make sure that they get, you know, the public know how, how special they are and how great they are. And, and that's it. And mm. I love it. I love, I really enjoy, enjoy getting that. Well, a lot of people talk to you as well. A lot of people who are not boxing fans who are just in, like, in, involved in the spectacle of the Olympics because everyone watches the Olympics. You mm. know what I mean? Like, sitting down watching Rowan and all. Like, you know, never watch Rowan in my life. But when it's on the, in the Olympics, you'd stick around. <laughs> but you could, like, even go back, if, if you were on Twitter back then, you'd see everybody how appreciative they were yeah. of you and your analysis. And that thing's just clips of like Ruby Walsh, uh, Jordan Cheltenham going around and saying, look how good he is at breaking down and analysing things. And people are saying the same about you. Do you know what I mean? It's that detail people appreciate because mm. what's a good analysis is somebody who, someone who's never seen a boxing match before. If you can, if they can understand what you're saying, you can break it down for them so they, that mm. they can digest it. Yeah. That's somebody who's yeah. very good at getting the point across. Whereas if someone gives a fucking a high-level overview and you're like, I haven't a clue what you're saying, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no good to nobody. Yeah, yeah. That's no good to nobody, yeah. you know what I mean? Because you're, you're appealing to a small audience then, whereas you're able to apply to everybody. So that's something that you can probably look into then when you yeah. get the gloves up. No, you're right. You know, it makes it like, I think your job as a pundit and analysis anyway is to make it accessible to everybody, you yeah. know, because yeah. it is a world sport or it's a, the biggest sport, the Olympics is the biggest sport and event in the world, you know, and like everybody tunes into it. We all love it, like, you know, and um, and I love even learning about different sports and disciplines as well. But like that, like people have, have come out, of, you know, the woodwork to tell me, like, you know, mm. that they really enjoyed it. And one guy said his mother has absolutely no interest in sport. But she said, I love listening to that Donovan fella, you know, yeah. about talking about boxing. And like, he goes... All I can say is if she's saying that, that trust me, that is a huge compliment, you know. And I just said, no, well, I take it as a compliment, you know. I'm really appreciative of that, like, you know. But, um, yeah, some people look at boxing and think just two people bashing the head off. Yeah. No, but there's a, a huge yeah, amount of skills. Like yeah. Kelly Harrington in the Olympic final. Come on. Call it off. Is. One of the best performances I've ever seen, like, you know. And people, I try to just make people aware of how great that was. Yeah. A knockout, a woman that has on, was undefeated for over two years, she was a bit of a knockout artist as well stopping people left right and centre a bit of a puncher you know she was a world champion as well coming into it she won the worlds that Kelly wasn't didn't enter because of her hand injury so Kelly was world champion she was two world champions meeting in an Olympic final it was all about it was a blockbuster and and Kelly just really excelled in that final it was one of the greatest Olympic performances I think of uh, any Irish athlete in in any sport yeah and you have to be able to convey that to the yeah. public to let them know how this is special is. yeah you know what I mean there's a, pl- a game plan here mm. you know it's not just as simple as go in and just mm. punch one more time she punches you yeah, yeah. yeah. actually <laughs> you know? on that note as well congratulations to Kelly and Mandy yeah recently yeah. married recently yeah. married absolutely delighted for you two yeah. wonderful people I'm so happy for them yeah she's one of our own she is yeah. she's the darling of Dublin yeah right <laughs> We're at the end of the round here, we? took so many tangents in that fucking Yeah, podcast. where did it go? Jesus, like... We should have um, known the fellas up and down the country giving talks. We should have known he could talk. <laughs> I said I was elusive. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a, do you know what actually only came into my head there? It's been a while since we had a boxer on. 
Yeah, has it? Yeah. yeah. in January. Yeah, yeah. That's yes. a while for so we're, us. We're doing well. Yeah, we used to have a box run every four weeks or something. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't get a porn yeah. star, so we got a porn <laughs> Anyone else yeah. any porn stars, give us a shout. Yeah. <laughs> any yeah. Irish ones, anyway. So, I know, uh, fair play. You've been good to the boxing uh, community as well, like in getting them on, you know, because like I said, like, you know, it's not a, it's not your mainstream sports, you know what I mean? It's a tough sport. It can be tough to get... Um, you know, recognition and publicity and all that kind of stuff. So fair play, you're doing your part too. And doing... it's a lot to be talked from boxing though. Yeah. It's a lot of discipline, a lot of mm. uh, humility in it as well. Mm. So like people can learn a lot, you know, even just simple things, dabbling in it. You don't have to go on and be a world champion to be, to, to take a lesson from boxing, you know, like that. Yeah. So mm. just even simple boxer size classes, when you realise the fitness involved and then you're like, oh, yeah. next time I see this fella on the telly, I know what he's had to go through. Yeah. You know, yeah. but no, Eric, thanks for coming into us. We well, do appreciate my it. Pleasure. Where can people get tickets for you? For you? Okay, yeah, from me. You know, just, just right contact me. Yeah, and, and, uh, yeah. Twitter. Just contact me on any of my social media platforms. Yeah, and I'll arrange to get them to you. Yeah. So, garage one for them tickets. 14th of May. 14th of May, Europa Hotel, Belfast. Yeah, come on. There's three different types of tickets. There's uh, unreserved, which um, you know is, is 50. Uh, there's ringside, which is 70. Or if you want to enjoy a four-course meal, VIP uh, VIP treatment, meeting the boxers afterwards and all, come in, they're £100. Pound, um, and you can have a night out with your friends, a night at the fights. And it's so intimate as well. The gig is Europa Hotel. There's only like about 300 fans allowed in. So like you're so close, up and personal yeah. at mm. the ring. It's, it's a nice, intimate gig, you know. So look, if you want to go, mm. I'd love to have your support. Mm. You're on to him there, Eric. You're yeah. an absolute legend. Yeah. I recommend following him on Twitter as well. You're a good crack on thanks, Twitter lad. as well. That so. was a good crack as you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks anyway. All right, Appreciate that's it. it. Take us out there, Kino. Boom. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. What you waiting for? Put your back in it. Just a little The hip knocker.